Well, hello. This is Pastor Brown once again coming to you. I'm pastor at Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, and it's a joy to be able to minister to you online during this time of this pandemic in which we're going through. Praying that um, all is well with you and that you recognize that your help really does come from the Lord. And during this Christmas season, we want to recognize that he has given unto us something that is very special in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's given us salvation through Jesus. And I pray that during this Christmas season, you would be reminded of that. Because Christmas is not about a Santa Claus, really. is not about the gifts that we are out there trying to purchase for everyone that we love. It's really about Jesus Christ and him only. And we have to come to a place in which we ourselves surrender to him and acknowledge that that is strictly him. No one else, nothing else. And that Christmas is celebrated as a reminder of who he is that he is our Savior, and he came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And I'm one of those lost ones that was found by him. And I hope that we recognize that he has such a purpose to save us to the uttermost, to preserve us and to keep us. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, we looked at the word Lord a couple of weeks ago. And today we're going to look at the word Savior and how that applies to us. If I put a title on this, it would simply be this. God's gifts, man's activity. In other words, God has given us a gift in Jesus Christ. But how are we responding? What is our activity towards Jesus Christ? Do we understand that we have to unwrap this gift? And there's much to unwrap by the power of the Holy Spirit in understanding Jesus. And I pray that you be willing to unwrap the gift, not just accept the gift and put it on the shelf and never unwrap it to know what's in it. Because what's in the person of Jesus Christ is for you. All the inheritance is for you. He died for you. He came as a savior for you. He suffered for you. He did that for us, that we might have eternal life. So in that verse 11, in Luke chapter 2, he says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all people. Today, verse 11, today, in the town of David, a Savior. Savior for who? For all people. For all people. For all ethnic groups. For all who need a Savior. Someone who is able to save them and preserve them. Who's able to rescue them and keep them from the present evil world that we live in. And do even more than that. Prepare us for the future he's able to do. And he simply says in that verse 11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. That past tense. Has been. Has been. He was born well over 2,000 years ago. But he came 
into this world to seek and to save sinners. Those who were lost, those who were separated from the Father. And Christmas is only a reminder that that took place. That it took place. That a Savior really did come into this world to save. We are a people today, though, who have to make a decision. And oftentimes today, I think, among many, they sense or feel that they have no need of a Savior. We are a people today who do not even desire a Savior. Somehow we think we can do all this on our own. And that one day we're going to stand before God and say, I did it. I did it. And you're going to understand what a failure you've been. We've been. Because no man can save himself. When a person is yelling for help, when they're drowning, they need help. They need someone who will reach down and grab hold of them and change their present situation. They need someone who can get them to dry land or get them up in a boat. They need someone that can help them in their predicament and remove them from the struggle in which they find themselves in. And that's Jesus. He's the only one who can keep us from drowning in our sins. He's the only one. And he is called a Savior. And a Savior is one who rescues. And what we're trying to do in this modern time in which we're living is to remove Jesus out of Christmas. We want to remove his presence. We still want to celebrate Christmas. But we don't want to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. We want the gifts. We want the trees. We want the lights. And some of us take great pride at how we light up our houses and the things that we do to show forth we're in the spirit of Christmas. But Christmas is a reminder of a Savior who was born in Bethlehem. That's Christmas. Christmas is a reminder of a Savior born to you and I. And though we try to remove him and we reduce his story down to a cartoon. The only story uh, Sister Brown and I, my wife Elaine, we, we kept looking for a story about the birth of Christ. And all that we really found on our TV was a cartoon. The main star was basically a donkey. A goat and a sheep, two dogs, and someone who was trying to destroy the child. That was a cartoon, an animated cartoon about the birth of Christ. We've been trying to listen to Christmas carols or hear different choirs. Very few are singing any of the Christmas carols. Now imagine very few churches are even sharing the real story of Jesus Christ because we're into such motivating type speaking today. Not totally against that because the scriptures are motivating if you understand them. But you and I need to deal with the reality of what Christmas is really about. It's about a Savior being born. 
He's born that he might give us life. And we have to recognize that, that this is his purpose, that a savior has come into this world to save sinners. The birth of Jesus is the most important, most significant event in history. And there is nothing that will ever supersede it. It is the most important event that's ever happened in the history of humanity. Yet it has been reduced to a cartoon with only little emphasis on Jesus as Savior. And the question that we have to ask, and I'd like to have you answered in your own way or time, have we become a people so intellectual, the information that we have, all the different religions that we have, have we become a people who no longer need a savior? We no longer need a savior. That humanity has somehow surpassed that need. And yet, that is the greatest need we have. A need for a Savior. In this whole process, we have to search and we have to ask ourselves, do I need a Savior? That's what's important. Do I need a Savior? Do you really need someone to save you from your sin? Your sin of unbelief. Your sin of doing wrong. Your sin, the evil that you're involved in. God alone is the only one who can help you. Through Jesus Christ. God never asked man what he needed. I imagine if he would have asked man what he needed, man would have said a bigger house, a nicer car, a promotion on my job, a bigger bank account, a better marriage, a true friend. And the list could go on and on and on what man may have said, what his need was, overlooking his need to be able to deal with his sin and to have a savior in his life. No man has need of a savior today, it seems like. Our churches are full of mostly older people. Our younger people seem as though they have no need of a Savior. They have all the answers to all the questions. And somehow life for them is totally different. But the reality is they're still in need of a Savior. And God gave Jesus Christ to be a Savior. Who gives us a relationship with the Father then? Because we're willing to accept him as Savior. That he grants us the privilege of having a relationship with the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we need that more than anything else in this world. Why did Jesus have to appear? Have you ever thought about that? Why is it that God couldn't just snap his fingers and everything would have been set right, in a sense? Why is it that somebody had to be born or come into this world and do something for us? Why is it that we could not have just did it on our own or God just wave his magical wand and it would all be taken care of? God wanted to be present. God wanted to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. 
God wanted to demonstrate his love for us. God wanted to show us that he truly loved us, cared for us, and wanted to pay that debt, that sin debt, for the wages of sin is death. And God paid that himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus Christ is God. That's going to be shocking for some of you. Some of you accept him as a little God, but he's not a little God. He is the great I am. He is the great I am. He is God. To choose to demonstrate his love for us, he had to appear. And he appeared in this fleshly realm as we are. He took on a human life. Yes, he hungered, he thirsted, he knew what cold was, he knew what it was to sweat. He knew what it was to work. He knew what it was to be persecuted, to be hurt, to be rejected. But he chose to demonstrate his love for us by being present with us. And therefore, he came as a child and as a Savior. A Savior has been born his presence with us. So over in Romans 5, 8, he wanted to be part. He wanted to demonstrate. He wanted us to see it. He didn't want us to just go through a snap or a magic wand or some trick that he would have performed. He came himself. God clothed himself in human flesh and came and demonstrated something for us. So in Romans 5a he says, but God demonstrated his own love. His own love. He didn't send a secondary, he didn't send somebody in a sense to represent him in, in, in a sense. He came himself as a child, as a savior to rescue us, to preserve us, to keep us. He did that. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. From birth to death, it was all for us. From Bethlehem to Calvary, it was all for us. He did it. He came as a child, as a savior. Why? We needed a savior. We needed a savior. Now go with me to Acts chapter 5 as we dig into this a little bit more because we want to understand our need and man's reaction because it's so important that we do understand that man has a part and man's part is to receive. And if you never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't have eternal life. Yes, you're going to celebrate Christmas, but you'll celebrate Christmas only from a worldly standard. And that worldly standard is the trees, the lights, the gifts that are given and so forth. Not really understanding. It's a celebration of the gift of life that has been given to us through the greatest gift of all, a Savior by the name of Jesus. So in that verse 29, it says, Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead. If he would have never appeared, he would have never went to Calvary. He would have never been beaten on our behalf. He would have never died on our behalf. 
But because he was born and he took on this fleshliness, he was able to suffer on our behalf. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you have killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him. Now, listen. Listen, verse 31. God exalted him to his own right hand, a prince and savior, a prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sin to Israel. That he might give repentance and forgiveness to people, starting with Israel. He came into this world because he wanted to be present with us as he gave us the greatest gift of all, eternal life. Reasons for his coming as Savior. Yes, to offer repentance, to offer forgiveness, to allow us to understand that, yes, he loves us, and he demonstrated that love on Calvary. But that love was demonstrated way before Calvary. It was demonstrated in Bethlehem. Could you imagine leaving your palace, leaving your riches, leaving whatever it is that you may possess as something that is great and taking a lower position? That's what Jesus did. In one sense, he left the palace of heaven and he became homeless. For he said, boy, the birds have necks and the foxes have holes, but the God of man, he has nowhere to lay his head. The Savior has nowhere to lay his head. As far as we know, he didn't own a home. But what he did do he provided for you and I a future home in heaven with him. Now, the reasons for him appearing, for him coming as a child, what might be some of those reasons? What might you think that would bring him to this earth? One, I want you to understand the word savior is to be able to rescue someone. That person has to have the ability to save that person from whatever distress that they find themselves in, whatever critical situation they find themselves in. A man, as a songwriter has penned, was sinking deep in sin. And we were sinking pretty quick and still are. But a Savior has been born to us. But the question is, how will we respond? How will we respond to the Savior? Remember, oftentimes, when a person is drowning or a person needs help, one person may reach, but the other has to respond. God is reaching to us. Will we respond? Will we respond? And that is so important because he wants to rescue us, but he won't make us be saved. He won't make us be saved. He won't make us grab hold of his hand. He won't make us accept his salvation in Jesus Christ. He won't make us. We have to be willing to do that. But in order to rescue us, in order to be Savior, he must be able to keep us also. Keep us from the harm and the danger that is in this present world. He has to be able to keep us. And that's so important. He has to be able to protect us. And all this is coming through this word, Savior. That he's able to protect that's the need of man, that we are protected from that which causes 
us to fall. That we are protected from that evil one who will deceive us and trick us. That we are protected from that one who wants to rob and steal and kill. He'll take our lives. And this Savior is able to protect us. This Savior is able to keep us. He appeared to take away our sin because the wages of sin is death. You'll hear me say this a couple of times. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He's been given to us for such a purpose. And he appeared to remove our sin and the penalty of that sin. Go to First John with me, chapter 3 and verse 5, because he came into this world to seek and to save. And we need to understand that. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. He appeared. He came as that child. He came as that babe that he might take away our sin. Because we can't deal with our sin. We can't remove it. Yes, we're coming up to that time of New Year's where we'll make these little promises to ourselves, we'll stop doing this, or we'll do this, or we'll make this statement. But yet, in reality, the only one who's able to do these things is the Lord. Um, He takes away my sin. But in removing my sin, he gives me something also. He says eternal life. He sets me free from the bondage of my sin. That I may have a freedom to choose to serve him. He takes the destruction of my sin. And he restores. For what the locusts have destroyed, he is more than able to, to restore it. He's able to restore a good name, even though I may have bankrupt my name, I have ruined my name. He's able to restore. He's able to restore a family, a family that is everybody's going for themselves. They're all over the place. One's going here, one's going there. They hardly ever sit down and have a meal together. They don't know what it is to be a family. He's able to restore a family, a unity within a family, a unity between a husband and a wife. He's able to restore. Yes, we need a savior. Name is Jesus. He appeared to to take away our sin. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sin. And in him is no sin. That is so important. In him, no sin. Why? A sinner can't save a sinner. Somebody else who's drowning cannot save someone else from drowning. He knew no sin. And in him is no sin. That says something very powerful about him. The angel sinned. When they rebelled against God. A creative being. And this is something we have to. Answer. Any creative being can sin. Any creative. Being. That has been given free will. Can sin. And that's why such an important matter as salvation and being a savior could only be accomplished by a living God. Not by someone he created, but only 
a living God who knew no sin and no sin lies in him who would be able to save us. He appeared for that reason that he might save us. Now, also look at verse 8. Just come on down in First uh, John chapter 3. Look at verse 8. Let my eyes focus now. He who does what is sinful, he who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, creative being, an angel, a high-ranking angel, sinned against God. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The reason he appeared, the reason he became that child in Bethlehem, the reason he was born and took on this thing called humanity, that he himself would defeat Satan and his work. Boy, that's something. And we're reminded that he came into this world to be a savior and to defeat the devil of the work that he does. Now, he appeared for that reason. And he appeared that he might be a savior, not just of a few, but of the whole world. Of every man who would accept him. Every woman who would accept him. And he came into this world. That he might save. Not just one or two people. Not just a few people. But he would save all who would call upon the name of Jesus. And that's important. All who call upon the name of Jesus. That he came into this world to save them. And to keep them from falling. Because we're not appointed to his wrath, to his anger. But we're appointed to his love. Go with me to 1 Timothy 1.15. Because here is a statement by Paul. And he says it's a trustworthy saying. It's a trustworthy statement that we need to take to heart. So in 1 Timothy 1, in, uh, in verse 15, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, full acknowledgement, full thought, that you give yourself thought to this and ask yourself the questions about Christ Jesus. He came into the world to save sinners. Why? Why would God come into this world, take on a lower status as a human being, even lower than the angels, to become a savior to that which he created? Why? To prove his love for us. And that we were worthy of such a sacrifice by him. What made us worthy is that he gave us life. And he was really willing to not only give us life, but to redeem the life that he has given to us. Because Satan, the devil, had worked such a work that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he gave us a Savior that would save us and give us the life that he intended for us to have from the beginning. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full Acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. To save sinners. 
to save those who would admit they need a Savior. They need a Savior. And if you say to yourself, I don't need a Savior, most likely you'll never recognize Jesus Christ as a Savior. You have to come to a place in which you yourself recognize that. Not that somebody else has told you or witnessed to you about it. And yes, that's part of the work of a Christian, that they tell others of what God has done for them. And to allow people to understand what he's done for me or what he's done for you, he can also do for them. That's our witnessing of how great our God is. Because we were all in the Mari clay. And he came and joined us in the Mari clay. And he lifted me up out of the Mari clay. Where would that put him? So in John 4, in verse 42, it's the recognition that you personally have to come to and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is a Savior, that Jesus Christ is what you have need of. See, you'll never be saved without the recognition of your own need for a Savior. You can be a good person. You may feel that you've never sinned or did anything wrong. Yet, you need a Savior. Because you are separated from God. There's a lot of good people who are going to be in hell. And that point, that puzzles us, that bothers us. And there's going to be a lot of people from our perspective may not have deserved heaven, that is, are in heaven because they've accepted Jesus Christ. Boy, that bothers us. But remember what he said. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. No matter how bad they may have been, they were lost. But somewhere along the road, they acknowledged they were lost and they needed a savior. They needed somebody to rescue them. And they recognized the only one who could do that is Jesus Christ. Here is the story of the woman at the well. But in verse 42 is what's so important. Because she did what a witness is supposed to do. Go back and tell about this man who had told her about her whole life. And what it, even to the present of how she was living. And she went back and she was sharing this. But in verse 42, catch what is being said. They said to the woman who was doing the witnessing, who was sharing with them. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Catch that. We no longer believe just because of what you said. We no longer believe just because of that. We heard you. But understand this. Human words can only take us so far. Human words are important, yes. But there's nothing like hearing God's voice for yourself. There's nothing like being assured in your own heart that you're saved. There's nothing like knowing Jesus for yourself. It's nice that you can say, oh yeah, that man really knows the Lord. That man knows Jesus. The question is, do you? Do you really know him? Have you really accepted him as your savior? Are you really living for him? And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. 
We've heard for ourselves. They've heard something other than what she said. They heard for themselves. And they may have heard Jesus speaking. They heard for themselves. And it says, and we know that this man, no longer is it a guessing game. No longer is it a thought. Uh, it could be. It might be. They say, we know. Do you know? Do you know for yourself that Jesus is the Savior? That that child that was born in Bethlehem, that child that the angels spoke about, today is born unto you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you know him? Because they're saying, we know that this man, referring to Jesus, so who they may have heard, they heard Jesus. Not just her witness of what Jesus had done in her life and what he had shared with her. Now they heard for themselves. And yes, each one of us need to hear for ourselves. All we need to hear. Man's word only goes so far. But when you hear from the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, it is something that will take your breath away. It is something that will cause tears to come to your eyes. It is something that will allow you to see that you truly do need a Savior. And you will know who that Savior truly is. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is, now catch this, the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. They eliminated everybody else. Every other gods of that day have just been eliminated. And they know that Jesus alone is the Savior of the world. They said, we know. We know. Now go over to 1 Timothy 4.10. 1 Timothy 4.10. Oh, this does get good too. Because it, it causes us to have to think. God who is our Savior. And we need to understand God really is our Savior. So over in 1 Timothy 4.10, he simply says, Boy, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God. Now look who he's called the living God. The living God, who is the Savior of all men. What did he just declare? That baby who is declared to be Savior is God. Who is the Savior of all men. And especially of those who believe. Especially those who believe. Why? If you really believe, then here's that Savior that appeared. Because no one else could do what was needed to be done but Him. No creative being could have done what God alone in the person of Jesus Christ could have done. And that is to be a savior for us. First Timothy again, chapter two, three through six. First Timothy, chapter two, three through six. And I want to catch this here <clears throat> because it's so important. And uh, we need to understand that it's needful to accept what Scripture says. 
because we have no other real reference but Scripture. But when you accept the Word of God, you'll be surprised how your life will be transformed. Yes, it's good to give thought to God's Word. Good to study God's Word. But at some point, you have to just stop studying for knowledge. But you're studying because of a relationship. And you're building a relationship because that's what's important, the relationship. You're studying God's Word to deepen your relationship with Him and with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit. So, starting in that verse 3, he says, This is good and pleasing. Now, catch what he says here now. God our Savior. God our what? Our Savior. Who was declared to be the Savior? Jesus Christ. God our Savior. Jesus Christ is God. Oftentimes, Islam will say nowhere in Scripture does it declare that Jesus Christ is God. Well, Jesus himself said, I am. And the Jews understood exactly what that meant. It went all the way back to Exodus, where God speaks and he tells Moses to tell the Jewish nation, I am, have sent him. And they knew exactly what Jesus was saying when Jesus said, I am. And the whole issue is that you and I have to come to a place to understand the only person that could have saved us is God himself. Is God himself. And therefore, he says again, this is a good and, and pleasing. God, our Savior, who wants all men, not some men, not a few men, not a select group of people, but all men. All humanity to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. Boy, that's all. I just said God the Father, God the Son, the God the Holy Spirit. There is one God. One God. I can't explain the Trinity. I don't know anybody who really can. But scripture tells us of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they function as one God. For there is one God. And then he says one mediator. Now we know who that mediator is. Jesus Christ. Boy, that that makes scripture awful difficult right there. God's going to speak to himself. God is going to be the mediator. But then he's going to uh, speak to himself about me. No, God the Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is God, is going to speak to the Father on our behalf. Right there throws a lot of people off. But that's what Scripture declares. Because Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. I have to accept that. I have to believe that. I have to trust in that. That Jesus Christ, my Savior, is my mediator with the Father. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. And it emphasizes the man, Christ Jesus. If he would have never appeared as the child, he would have never became the man the mediator between God and man. He had to appear. He had to come that he might represent me. And he tasted death for each and every one of us. He died in my place. He died in your place. And he is the one who mediates because he is the one who paid the price to be that mediator on our behalf. And he can say to the Father, and this may sound strange to some, I've already paid the debt for that sin. I've paid the debt for Gus Brown. 
he can come in. I've already paid his debt. He's been set free of his sins and the wages of his sin. He can come in. He mediates for me. He does it. Let's close with two more scriptures from Titus. And I want to thank you for being patient with me here this morning. But in Titus 2, 13 and 14, just a couple of pages over, it's important that we keep looking at why. Why did he appear? Why is he the Savior? He's the Savior because no one else could have done what God could have done. And God himself had to come and do it. He's the only one who can deal with our sin. He's the one who's going to come back. Look at Titus chapter 2. Look at verses 13 through 14. And once you catch what he's going to say, he says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Look what he puts together again. God and Savior. Boy, those two words, God and Savior. Same person, God, Savior. Same person. Oftentimes we separate that. God, and we'll say it, God the Father, and and God the Son, or no, God. Often what we forget is this. The redemption work is a work of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is Jesus Christ, God and Savior. And look what concludes, Jesus Christ, period. While we wait for the blessed hope, who's the blessed hope? Jesus. Who are we waiting on? The return of Jesus. The glorious appearing. Oh, There are going to be those who are going to see his glorious appearing. We may yet see it. Of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, his second coming. Who gave himself. Look at the further explanation here. Who gave himself. If he would have never been born, he had never been able to give himself. He had never been able to be our mediator. He had never been our Redeemer, the one who rescues us and saves us, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself. Here comes the future now. And to purify for himself a people that are the very own, that are his very own. We are his. And we're going to spend eternity with him. That's a joy. That's a shout of hallelujah. Because we're going to spend eternity with him. Last one, Titus 2, 9 through 10. Just just back up just a couple of verses. 9 and 10. Look what he said. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them. Now, in that word slave, you could put employee. Teach your employees to be subject to their employers in everything. To try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching, now catch this, the teaching about God our Savior. God our what? God our Savior. Who's our Savior? Jesus Christ. Who is he? God. Attractive. That we make the gospel of Jesus Christ attractive to others. If you're a Christian, how do people see your Christianity? Is this something that draws or is this something that pushes people away and they don't want to be like that? You're doing one or the other. Either you're attracting or you're pushing people away from Christ. Either you're helping them to draw together, or you're pushing them away.
and I pray that you are helping to draw. Let's take the final verse over in Jude. And uh, different translations, uh, they have some of this just a little different in this verse. But the part I want you to catch is God and Savior again. And who it refers to in Jude in verse 25. And he reads in that verse 25, he says, To the only God, our Savior, boy, today is born unto you a Savior. Who is he? God himself in the flesh. To the only God, our Savior, to glory, majesty, power, and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, from all ages now and forevermore. For all ages and evermore, it speaks about before time even began. He always was God. That's what St. John tells us. In the beginning was God. And all through the ages, we still have Jesus Christ as God. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. Who is the Word? Jesus Christ. Who is the Savior? Christ Jesus the Lord. He's God. We celebrate God's presence with us. Emmanuel with us here at Christmas time. Don't lose that perspective. Don't lose the real understanding of Christmas. The gifts are good. The family being around is good. The dinner is good. All that is good. But if Jesus Christ is left out of it, then you miss the real reason for Christmas. And I hate to say it, our society as a whole has really lost the real vision and understanding that Christmas is about a Savior being born unto a needy people who needed a Savior and still need a Savior. Christ the Lord. He hasn't changed. He's still the Savior. Would you come to him this Christmas? Would you accept him as your greatest gift? And all you have to do is simply just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I recognize I need a Savior because I cannot save myself. If you truly are the one that is being spoken about, Would you speak to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? As you did to the men who said to the woman at the well, we no longer believe you just because of what you said, but we've heard for ourselves and we believe. I pray that you would believe, receive, And accept him as Lord and Savior by your own confession of your need of a Savior. Don't to be a long prayer. Jesus, I need you. You are my Savior. Come into my heart and live through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas to you. I hope that you understand that God's presence is with us even now. But he came as a babe in a manger. Because he wanted to be present with us. And he wanted to be our savior. And no one else. No one. No creative being. Could have done. What he did. For you and I. To rescue us. From our sins. God bless you. God keep you. Thank you for allowing me this extra time. But it's so important to understand Jesus Christ is God, the Savior, 
Amen. God bless you.